Uh, hey guys. Um, uh, we we got to talk about BYU football. Um, this is the Royal Strong and True podcast. We do enjoy talking about BYU football generally, but this is a week that we will be rather depressed, and I'm honestly depressed right now doing this intro, um, knowing that we're going to have to talk about this later. So, um, yeah, we're gonna talk about BYU. Um, looking forward to next week versus Texas Tech. What 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 might we do? Um, but we will review that other game too. Um, make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter at Loyal to Royal Pod, where you'll find lots of fun and interactive content and rather sad content. Um, last Saturday, um, <laughs> make sure you're visiting our website, RoyalStrongandTrue.com, where you'll find Jared's weekend watch guides. That will make you happy because you'll be watching incredible college football. There is so much good to enjoy. We will not just be depressed and BYU's loss. We will be looking at all the positive things that happened in college football this week. Join us this episode. We can't wait. Let's do it. Let's bull. Go Tigers. But that field judge on the far side is in their pocket, man. Go over your death, right? Let's back this bull Let's go wild, And welcome back, everybody, to the podcast. We're here. We're obligated to be here. Uh, They don't sign our checks if we don't show up. And we want those checks. They are very big. They keep us fed. Um, And so we are obligated to be here today talking sports. Woohoo! You know, I'm I'm excited to be talking sports. I am I'm not excited to be talking uh BYU football though. Um that was a piss poor display. You know, it, it wasn't good, but we can't be this um pessimistic this early into the episode. I think True. before we get into all the pessimism, self hatred, self loathing, so on and <laughs> so forth, we have to at least do some housekeeping. We do and and let's just start things off. Uh, if it's okay, let's just run through a couple of the good BYU teams on campus real quick. Um, BYU women's soccer, they won 3-0 at Oklahoma State, 2-0 at Oklahoma. Currently undefeated in conference play, but three ties, so they're just third. Um, they're number seven in the country. Pretty good RPI. They're looking at a good uh, seed in the tournament. Um they play their final regular season game on Monday, the 23rd at 6 p.m., be there, be square. And they're playing UCF, who is fifth in the conference, just a couple games behind us. So they need a big dub uh, to keep moving up. And then we'll see what they can do in the NCAA tournament. Jared, I fear that statistic was mistaken. It is? BYU has actually moved up to number two in the standings. Ooh! We are number two. TCU fell to number three as they have one loss, two ties. We do not have any losses on our resume. Ah, well, even play. better then. So all everything else was exactly correct. But we are at number two in league play. Interestingly enough, you, you want to hear this fun fact now that I'm looking at it? Let's hear it. 
on the road, guess what our record is? We're six zero and three. Guess what our record is on the road? Uh, very very good. Five and zero. Our record at home, one zero and three. Which doesn't make sense. We have one of the best home field advantages in all of college soccer. Like what the frick? <laughs> Not a single other team is undefeated on the road in the entire conference. That's pathetic. Incredible. Anyway, uh, moving on to another team. Uh, how about another top 10 BYU women's squad, BYU women's volleyball? Aww. Hey. Aww. Number nine, uh, they played Texas Tech. Um, took five sets on Friday to beat Texas Tech, which was not very good because Texas Tech sucks booty cheeks. Um, they are lower in the standings than in the old oil that they drill to give their football team NIL deals. Um, but Saturday we absolutely mollywopped them. I think we won one set like 25 to like seven or something like that. Right. Uh, that we won 25 to seven on Friday night, but yes, every, oh, was, okay. every set was pretty well. Uh, it was a pretty solid victory. Um, on Saturday, it was a solid sweep. So who do we got next for the women's volleyball team? We have, uh, Top 25 Iowa State um, coming into town on Thursday and Friday. I will be producing those games um, on Thursday and Friday. So you can go in person or you can watch them on ESPN Plus because I will get paid a lot if you watch. Uh, Not really. Um, Iowa State actually is not ranked anymore. Uh, The new rankings that came out today have them at third out. They were number 25 last week. Um, But they're a good team. They're going to be a good competition. For our girls who had kind of like a hangover game, um, I think they woke up in the second match, uh, and hopefully we can carry that forward and keep sweeping the rest of the Big 12 chumps. Where do we stand in the conference standings for women's volleyball? Um, I'm actually trying to get over there right now, but the Big 12's website is very hard to navigate. and so It appears we are third. It is taking forever. Yes. And behind uh, an undefeated Texas and an undefeated UCF. UCF hasn't played anybody yet. They've played like the 14th through the eighth teams in the conference. Like they haven't played anybody good. And then Texas is the number one team. Uh, well, not actually the number one team, but they're like the reigning national champs. Very extremely good. Um, so I think our spot is very good. And by the end of the season, we'll be in number two if we can continue winning because UCF is not going to be able to continue beating uh, teams the way they have been, especially when they start playing all the other top 25 teams like Baylor. And who's their other opponent? TCU. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, BYU women's volleyball playing very well right now. Just got to stay hungry and stay aggressive. Keep playing with that chip on the shoulder. Correct me if I'm wrong, but our only two league losses are to the number one Texas Longhorns. Yes. In fact, we hadn't lost a set to anyone besides Texas until Friday when we lost two sets to Texas Tech. So we have been playing very, very well in conference. You want to hear a fun fact? Now that I'm looking at it here, it's it's kind of we're, we're flippity-floppiting between here and BYU women's soccer. <laughs> you know, BYU women's soccer was 1-0-3 at home. BYU is a whopping 8-0 and at home on a season. 
They four and O on a neutral court. Their only three losses the entire season have come away. And the two losses to Texas, who obviously is very, very good. Um currently number six in the country. Uh and then our other loss was to Washington State, who is number four in the country on the road. So we have a very high RPI, as it were. The RPI. <laughs> the freaking the... RPI. Our, our Ken Palm score is high. <laughs> um, before we get into something absolutely depressing, I just want to get into something mildly depressing. Is that okay? Of course. Ease us into it. I hate. And I hate is a strong word, and I use it in its strongest sense here. Like if, if I could, <laughs> if I, there was a word stronger than hate, I would use it. Um, there probably is. I just have a really poor vocabulary. Um, I hate car dealerships. Ooh. With all of my heart, specifically car dealership um, maintenance centers. I uh, I think I know where you're going with this one because, yeah, those are bad. So my beautiful wife, Katie, took her car into the dealership to get it checked out, right? Okay. Just to see, you know – you know what things could be fixed they come back with a list that's four thousand five hundred dollars long oh wow oh wow mind you her car is a 2014 jeep patriot that's only worth three thousand dollars oh and they want us to and you know i don't know how much you know about cars jared and i don't know how much our listeners know about cars i don't know a ton but they want to replace her lower control arms those were replaced two years ago. There's absolutely oh. no reason to replace those. They want to replace her rotors in the front. Also replace those two years ago. There's no reason to replace those. Oh, no. Absolute dumpster fire. The worst part about this, Jared, is this. Her car has a system, right? Her computer will detect if not enough wattage is being drawn by one of her taillights. And okay. it will cause her blinker to flash really fast. What that means is that, okay. hey, your light's out. No, your light's out. Change it. So um, at one point, LED headlights were put into her taillights. LED taillights were put in instead of halogen ones by accident. For all the you know bulb nerds out there like me, LED draws less wattage. It functions, but it draws less wattage than a halogen bulb. So her lights were functioning, but the computer was noticing a decrease in wattage being drawn from the bulbs and was sensing and was, you know, was detecting that something was out, that there was a problem because of the decreased wattage. They detail that on their report, right? LED headlights, LED taillights installed by mistake. So I read that and I say, okay, I just have to replace them with the halogen ones. Super easy. I just pop them in and out. Boom, boom, boom. Do you know how much they were going to charge her to change two lights? Literally the easiest thing. Easiest thing you can possibly do in all of car maintenance is replace a taillight or a headlight. How much do you think they were going to charge? Um, a lot. $270 to change taillights. Dude, I almost ripped my spine out just so I could shove it down the throat of the head maintenance worker of that freaking Jeep dealership. 
That's ridiculous. There's, there's more I could go into, but I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. Never take your car into the dealership if it needs to get serviced. Ever. Ever. Not once. Yeah, that's – that is a – just a hellhole of incompetence and money-suckling. Yeah. It was bad. Oh, geez. Uh, unfortunately, that's like the perfect transition – into the BYU-TCU game. <laughs> um, we have here on the script, BYU-TCU breakdown. Um, disgusting. That's exactly what it was. It was disgusting. This game was probably the worst football game we've watched um, in like a year. And I, yeah. I, yeah. I assume we'll in, get in to that. In 12 months. I, I assume we'll get to that a little bit later. Um I have nothing positive to say. I'm just going to get that out of the way right now. And so if you're listening to this uh, for positivity, you need to skip ahead like 15 minutes because the next little bit is not going to have anything positive. I have one positive thing to say. Okay. We made a field goal. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's not false. You know, that wasn't the past year, the past two years making a field goal has not been a given. True. You know, so um, and I do have one more positive thing that I want to say. Wow, um, this is just overflowing here. I am. Um, though the entire game was disgusting, I kind of loved the fact that Kalani went for two when we scored our first touchdown to make it eight to 24. Okay. To bring it yeah. within two scores. Even though chasing points generally isn't a super good idea, you know, you don't want to seem desperate, whatever. Mm-hmm. It is when you actually convert those two-point conversions, you know? That's the only way that you can win in Retro Bowl on extreme mode, right? Is by going for two every time and getting it every time. If you get it, you look like a hero. If you don't, you look like a zero. We got it. We got within two scores, and that was the closest we ever came to victory. Uh. Yeah, that actually um it was a good decision because it cut the game from a three from a four score game into a three score game. Mm-hmm. Um I can't believe that we're saying that like it's a good thing, uh being down <laughs> four scores and cutting it to three. Um, but that's really the closest it ever was. This game was pathetic. Uh we essentially played the exact same that we've played all year. Like uh-huh. it it was the exact same game we played against Sam Houston, against Kansas, against uh, Arkansas and against Cincinnati. Terrible run game, little to no wide receiver separation, ultra conservative scaredy cat play calling, uh, are just a billion three and out, zero pressure on the quarterback, a defense that's completely reliant on lucky of turnovers, holding the ball too long, offensive line breakdowns and miscommunications. I mean, starting slow, we could go on and on and on, but it's the exact same game we've played. And this time we played a competent football team that wasn't going to beat themselves and had a game plan in place uh, that our coaches never saw coming. Shocker. Um, nope. But yeah, it. I like we can be surprised by this outcome all we want. But in the end, it was the exact same BYU team we've seen for six games already. Uh, it just so happened that we ran into a good team this time. That That's it. Yeah. No, I mean, this this loss to me was identical to the Oregon game last year. Um, 
I'm glad we didn't drive to this one as we <laughs> did to Oregon. Um because that would have been an even uglier drive, believe it or not, than driving <laughs> through eastern Oregon. But um no, our team just got absolutely exposed, exposed in every single way. Our team is just fundamentally less athletic than the Horn Frogs. In every way, shape, or form, they have more talent at basically every position. We just have more Jags. You know, and for those of you that don't know a Jag, just a guy. We just have Jags. They have more Jag pluses, right? Well, and a Heisman contending quarterback. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, You need Jag pluses, like, if you have a few elite players and everyone else is Jags, it's it's hard to bridge that gap, right? You need a few Jag pluses to bridge the gap between the two. TCU has a lot more of those Jag pluses. The guys that are not elite, but they're better than your Jag. You know, they're better than your two and a two three star recruit out of you know Delta Utah or something like that. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Like, it, it just felt that – it felt like we shouldn't have even been on the same field as that team. It felt like we were playing a fundamentally different game than TCU was. Yeah. It was like an FCS school playing an FBS school. Like, honestly, that's that's what it was. Um, it was pathetic. TCU probably could have put up, what, 60 – Maybe 56. 50, if no, they 60, wanted to. 58, yeah. If they really wanted to, they could have scored 58 on us. Um, but luckily, Sonny Dykes was nice and didn't, you know, just pile it on at the end. Um, this this is the offense. I hate watching our offense. Like, it, I, it's sad. It's like watching Iowa. There's no hope. There's no run game. Our quarterback, I feel bad for Keaton Slovis. Like. I think he's a great quarterback, but he is just playing terribly. And I don't think it's his fault. Like I, there's no rhythm in the play calling. Everything is super, super conservative. There's no communication. There's no aggressiveness. It's super predictable. If we have one negative play, we essentially just punt on the possession. Um, Third down play calling is atrocious. Uh, Getting to third, like first, how many third nines did we have? I think we had more third nines than we did first downs. And How many like, third and nines did we run like a two-yard out route to a wide receiver to Isaac Rex too? Right? Or like a screen pass, like a naked screen pass to Isaac Rex who has three guys bearing down on him and he can barely get to the line of scrimmage. Like, it it was disgusting. We were 2 of 14 on third downs. I, like, are you kidding me? We don't protect the football. We don't possess the football enough. Uh, we we have more punt yardage than total yardage by uh, uh let me double check this 243 total yards and guess how much our total punt yardage was oh gosh uh 417 close 313 but still oh. <laughs> still 70 yards more than our total yardage that is and not Ray Cal wasn't even punting good no and the, yeah exactly like he was punting bad and he still had more punt yardage than our entire offense. It was like I I gotta say it, A-Rod's gotta go, dude. Like this is disgusting. Ever like everybody's gonna talk about the defense and or the offense in 2021 and 2020. 2020, we didn't play anybody. 
2021, we played a bunch of Pac-12 schools that were coming off of COVID, haven't practiced in 14 months. And we had Tyler Algier, who covered up so many inefficiencies on that offense. The last two years, this offense has been predictable. It's been terrible. If we don't have an elite playmaker, which we don't this year, uh, there's no hope for our offense. And we're seeing that. We, it's disgusting. I can't watch it anymore. Yeah, this offense, man. Eden. Eden Slovis. I've been a massive defender of him. I'm a Keaton Slovis apologist. I still am. Of A-Rod even. I consider myself an A-Rod apologist. But man, being like, I, I don't know the exact stats, but at one point he was like two for ten for like six yards. A, and a pick six. And a pick six on top of that. <laughs> that is just not acceptable for a BYU quarterback, especially because this is not an outlier. That has been his stat line through the, like midway through the first quarter, like the past three games. Yeah. Give or take a pick six, depending on the game. Midway through the second quarter, too, I would add. Yeah. I mean, at some point, you just need to realize that our wide receivers aren't getting the separation, and you need to fundamentally change your game plan. You have to implement the running back screen, the wide receiver screen game, and, you know, A-Rod's doing that, but you need to incorporate that on first down, on second down, not on third and nine. That's not when you break out the running back screen game, you know? You need to implement those on the early downs. You need to take shots on early downs because our play calling is highly predictable. We run the ball, and if it's second and nine, we run the ball again. Then it's third and nine, and then we throw a four-yard out route. I mean, I don't know. It's 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 not good, and I, I'd like to see more. Keaton, I think, is a really good quarterback, but, I mean, he had some balls sail on him, and all quarterbacks do. But, man, the the two pick sixes that he's thrown this year have been just bad. Just bad. Like, there was no way in heck that that ball was getting to the wide receiver he was throwing it to. He just needed to take a sack or throw it out of bounds. I don't care. Take an intentional grounding penalty. Don't throw a pick six on your opening drive and then come out and lay a fat egg on the next one. Yeah. I, there is no, there's no answer as well, right? Like there, like, I don't know what to say at this point. We can't run the ball. We can't throw the ball anymore because like TCU put like three or four guys in the box and it's like, I dare you to run the ball. And we still couldn't. And then that leaves seven and eight guys to defend the pass. We're not going to do that. Keaton has proven in 2019 when he came here, he can't play against a drop eight. So I, I don't know. I have no answers <laughs> to this offense. Zero. Yeah. Dude, I, I got to be honest. A complete honesty, hand up. You know, I'm not proud in saying this, but uh, I turned the game off after the first TCU and BYU drive in the second half. <laughs> I'm normally not one to turn off the game or the walk out of a game early, but I just had to this time. I thought that BYU would at least make some noise in the second half with some adjustments, right? We've been a second-half team all year long. It kind of feels like as the game goes on, we kind of find our rhythm. We didn't. We TCU just absolutely obliterated our defense, scored a touchdown, and then our offense went three and out. Yeah. At that point, I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. Turned it off. Enjoyed it. Did not pay attention to BYU football for the rest of the weekend. 
uh, and you were probably much happier for it. Yeah, I, I'd say that. I went bowling. Hey, there we go. What we what we bowl? First game I bowled a 150. Second game I bowled a 147. Not nice. the greatest, but not terrible. That's pretty good. Especially after uh, all that mental trauma you went through in the hours before. That's true. It was new lanes too. It never had never played at those lanes before. So, <laughs> um, I I have a question for you. Yeah. Um. First off, well, let yeah, okay, let's do this. First question: Over or under two hundred and seventy-five total yards of offense per game for the BYU offense? Like, what do I think? Or yes, what do you like, think? Over under two seventy-five. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I I asked that question in dumb phrasing. Am I guessing what has actually happened or like year end? Uh, right now, right now. Right now, 275, you said? Yes, over or under? I'm going to go under. You are correct. Oh, gosh. 62.3 yards of total offense. That is abysmal. That is bottom 30 in the FBS. Oh, um, gosh. Are you ready? BYU's total or average punt yards per game. Over or under 262.3. I feel like this has to be an over. It's close. 240.9. So 22 <laughs> less punt yards per game. Now, do you want to hear the uh, caveat? What's the caveat? Tell me. Versus Kansas, we punted once for 35 yards. Oh, no, that's bringing our average down so much. Right? Oh, no. How did our, we only punt once versus Kansas? Yes. I, I Too many interceptions and fumbles, I assume. I guess uh, so, yeah. But even with one game of 35 punt yards, our average is still almost as much as our total offense. Like, that's disgusting. <laughs> oh, my God. Gosh, that is just oh no! I mean, that's comical. I mean, I honestly, this game was identical for me to the Oregon game last year, just for the fact that I went through all of the stages of grief pretty quickly, and just <laughs> at the end of it, like, you know, not I can't say at the end, at the at the beginning of the second half, and at the end of the first half, I just I found BYU's lack of any talent on the field, or I shouldn't say lack of any talent lack of any production on the field just hilarious like i it was it was funny to me i was laughing i was on my couch my stomach hurt from how much i was laughing at how bad byu was <laughs> um it does get to that point there there's a there's a line in the sand where it goes from good to bad to horrible to terrible to comical and it was comical on saturday for sure um I just have two last things about this game specifically. Uh, one, we don't have dudes. Like, we do not have a P5 level roster. TCU doesn't really either, either and they spanked us. Um, we have zero difference makers. I think that's part of the problem, right? We have no one on the field that is elite. Zero. There is no, like, last year we had one, and it was Puka, and he was injured half the time. Mm -hmm. Now we have zero, and it shows. We have no one to go to when we need yards. 
Um, it's I think it's a combination of recruiting and player development. Like we can't I I don't know. I don't know for sure, but I'm sure it's a combination of both. Um, but long story short, we don't have we're we're not good enough to be competitive in the Big Twelve. And then secondly, there is a gaping hole in the program somewhere. There is something very, very wrong with this program. We haven't proved at all this season. From one game to the next, we are the exact same. In fact, we've probably moved down. We've probably gotten worse. We came off a bye plus an extra day of rest after playing on a Friday. And we lay the biggest stinker of the season? Like, are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. There's got to be – there's a lack of accountability. There's a lack of leadership. There may even be a lack of desire and just fight to win and be competitive. I don't know. There is something very, very off, though, about this program because we saw it last year, too. We didn't really improve throughout the season. We're seeing it again. There's no no improvement – I wouldn't be surprised if we don't win a game in October. I I don't know. There's something wrong with this program, right? There's no direction. There's no uh, vector to the program right now. And huh. I I don't know what to say. I, I can't put a finger on it, but something is wrong with the BYU football program. Yeah, I mean, my final thoughts on this, like, A, like, I think that there is something funky going on. Um, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> I, I honestly didn't mean that. Um, it was accurate. At this point in time, I think BYU fans have to realize that we are extremely, phenomenally lucky to be four and two at this point of the year. Oh, yeah. well, four, we have four, dumb luck four, two, no, into yeah. winning games we had no business being in statistically. The fact that we are where we are is a blessing. Call it living right on and off the field if you want to call it that. We need to, as fans, fundamentally change the way we look at this team. We can't expect it to be 8-4 and four or something like that. We have to be begging on our knees for six wins. Because if we get to that, at that point, first year in a Power 5, as disappointing as you know it would be to only win six games after starting four and one, first year in a power five winning six games would be a victory. It would be a good season. It would not be, you know, necessarily a notch in Kalani's belt or whatever, but it would not be, I don't know, it, it wouldn't put him on the hot seat either. That would be a good season for BYU first year in the Big 12. We need to recruit better. We need more dudes we need more speed more talent and we're starting to recruit a little bit better we're getting a guy here or there but our recruiting class for next year jared is bottom half in the fbs number 70 not even of the power five bottom half of all of college football bottom half of fbs how many fbs teams are there now 136 133 133 now bottom half which is ridiculous. And, you know, uh, you can't speak a ton to recruiting rankings right now, right? People are going to decommit. People are going to commit. People like It's never said and done until signing day is over, right? Or until the transfer portal window closes in, in the fall. But number 70 is not where we want to be at right now. Or ever. We, we can't do it. We can't. Yeah. Um, I have a couple big picture questions if you want to get into those. Yeah. Um, there's a question from the chat, uh, quote, is there any other four and two team 
there that can justifiably be as scared they've won their last game of the year? Ha ha ha. (laughs) (laughs) So I pose the question to you. Is there another four and two team that is looking at the rest of their schedule thinking, I don't know if we'll get to five. Hmm. Looking at all the other four and two teams out there. I would say that no, um, not a single one of these has a chance at ending the year. Oh, and six, the closest I'd say maybe West Virginia ends up getting exposed down the stretch. Um, I mean, that's like a huge, what if though, maybe no, that that's honestly the only thing in my opinion, like, <laughs> BYU is probably the worst four and two team in the nation. I, I Actually, saw this I, we'd beat Miami. We'd beat Miami just because it's, Miami sucks. But I saw this coming, and so just for fun, I decided to rank all fifteen four and two teams in the country. And all right, let's go through these and let's just see where BYU stands, just for fun, okay? Yeah. Number one, Oklahoma State, four and two. They started off very poorly. And they better. found their own. They beat Kansas last week. Looked really good. I think they're they're very good. Number two, West Virginia. Yes, they lost to Houston on that crazy wild play. But other than that, they're playing really good football. Three, Kansas State. Another Big 12 team. Uh, two losses to two very good teams. Uh, they're, they still have a very uh, good team. Both their losses were close. Number four, UCLA. Honestly, a decent team, but the way they looked against Utah, I had to bump them down to four. Five, Miami. Yes, the stupid, stupid, stupid play uh, to Georgia Tech. That was horrible. Uh, That is why they are five, but they're still a good team. They still beat Texas A&M in the number one recruiting class by like 35. Six, SMU. Very competitive. Their only two losses are to two Big 12 schools, uh, and they were close losses. Seven, Clemson, uh, obviously not as good as they used to be, but two close losses, still competitive, still have dudes. Eight, Washington State, not as good as we thought they would be, still competitive, still good, maybe not right now. They bumped all the way down to eight. Number nine, Western Kentucky. They just lost tonight to Jacksonville State, and I would still put them at number nine above these other teams. Number 10, Wisconsin. Wisconsin is not as good as we thought they would be. Plus, they just lost Tanner Mordecai. No. Number 11, Memphis. Memphis is their classic Memphis team. Beat up on the bad teams, lose to the good teams. Number 12, Georgia Southern. Mm -hmm. Georgia Southern has an explosive offense, but got absolutely exposed against JMU and lost 41-6. to Not ready to play with the big boys. Number 13, BYU. Yes, just below Memphis. Hey, we made it. Yes, we did make it. Uh, we're bad. Um, number 14, Marshall. They are lucky to be 4-2 and two right now. And 15, we have Louisiana. Louisiana has done nothing. They've played nobody, and yet they've still lost two games. So there you have it. BYU, 13th out of the, four, the 15 4-2 teams. Uh, that's not probably a place you would want to be as a BYU fan. No, 
No, and I think part of the reason we're there, right, is because we're just so unexciting to watch on offense this year. We can't produce anything on offense this year. And I think it warrants a little bit of a conversation, Jared. I do want to bring this up just okay. because I, I'd be remiss if I did not. Um, you mentioned Aaron Roderick and the pains that you and many other fans from this university share toward him. Yes. I'm going to read you off his resume thus far as an head offensive coordinator. He took over the job in 2019. In 2019, we were number 28 nationally in yards per game, 444 yards. Okay. 2020, you already mentioned, we played a bunch of freaking high schools. But we were number six nationally in yards per game at 522 yards. Okay. 21, year after COVID, Jaron Hall, number 17 nationally, 452 yards per game. Okay. 22. Number 36 nationally, 427 yards per game. On average, we have been number 22 in the nation on offense. We've had two quarterbacks taken, one in the first round, seven offensive players drafted. This year, however, we are number 123 in the nation through six games at 306 yards per game more than 140 less than Roderick's worst season. Yikes. That's It's been good. bad this year. It hasn't been bad every year. Do you think Aaron Roderick deserves credit for those, you know, four seasons in which he was number 22 in the nation on average in yards per game? Or what? what are your feelings after hearing all of that? Because it's not just... 20 and 2021 that we had those good years we had a good year in 19 and also in 22 how are you feeling about it now i don't know because like you said that's not those aren't terrible numbers and and an average of 22 right is what you said like mm-hmm. 22nd in the country in yards per game yeah that's, top 25 yeah that's that's not bad that's not bad i will say i give credit in those early years um 2019 i think he did a lot with not that much um but 21 or 20 and 21 he had exceptional playmakers uh zach wilson tyler algier um puka nakua and so i think that like for those three years right you can you can kind of attribute the offensive success to one like electric playmaker um and those were his three three of his best two of his best years um and then another like decent year um this year we don't have that playmaker and we're 123rd i don't know if that's necessarily a rod's fault right um that we don't have a playmaker i mean maybe he didn't recruit one um but still like i I mean 123rd regardless is not is not good enough um I will say, though, during that same span, he averaged 49th in points per game. So not mm. nearly as good. Um, I I don't know. I think, I think we're harping on him a lot, like you said, because of this bad year. But I don't think he's been absolutely incredible for us throughout his career. It's been good. We've had good years. But I wouldn't say that 
we all need to come to his defense uh, to to have his back um, because he's done it before. I don't know. I'm I'm somewhere in between. If that makes sense, I'm not I'm not fully on the hey throw him out of here because we had one bad year. But I'm not exactly on the hey let's keep him around because of look at all this great stuff. We're gonna get back to that regardless. Yeah, I mean, I I think I'm with you there. I think he's a good quarterback developer. And I think that he's a really good play designer, right? I mean, there's like some random trick plays here or there, or there's some plays that when they hit, they hit well. But when you only have those few plays and you don't call them in, in, in the right situations, they can blow up. It, I don't know. Situationally, there have been times that I have not liked Roderick's play calling. I can't say that I've ever been a division one coordinator though. You know, I, he knows some things that we don't, obviously. I would agree with you, Jared. And the fact that I'm not calling for his head right now, but I am frustrated and I am voicing that frustration. And I am saying that, Hey, if things don't change in the next, next six games, he shouldn't be fired, but he should at least be on the hot seat for next year. Definitely. I 1,000% agree with that. He needs to realize he doesn't have a Puka Nakui. He doesn't have a, a Zach Wilson um, or or a Tyler Algier. And he needs to adjust. Like, and then, yeah, I don't know. This year has been really, really bad. And it's been some of those bad things that have popped up in those other years where he's been decent. Um, it, I don't know. I am not uh, very happy with him at the moment. I mean, like I said, I'm not exactly calling for his head right now, but I did just like 20 minutes ago say that he needs to go. So um, <laughs> I, I think we're kind of in the same realm of, hey, this needs to improve now or else you're on the hot seat, not let's fire him immediately. Yeah. And then, you know, you're on the hot seat. You have another full year to prove yourself, right? And if you crap it up next year too, at that point you start having the conversation, do we move on? But – well, I, I don't think, think we move on. We, there's, there is no scenario in my mind in which we should move on from Aaron Roderick this year. Not, none. I, I wouldn't say there's none. I would say there's a, there's a non-zero chance that we move on after this year. I think it could be if we have six more games like the TCU game, that it is a possibility. But I don't think the chance is very high. But I'm not going to rule it out completely. Okay. Um, finally, before we get off of BYU, I know we have a ton to get to. We're already going long. Um, I have a hypothetical. You have 209 Cheez-Its. How many are you willing to wager that BYU will make a bowl game? 209. 209. All 209 you... of my Cheez-Its. I'm laying them on the house. If You know, I have a tendency to get really sad when BYU sucks. Yep. So by putting this much emotional stake into it, if they do end up becoming bowl eligible, I will become ecstatic. I will be the happiest man on planet earth because my 209 cheese it bet hit. <laughs> um, if I don't, if it doesn't, I can't be any sadder than BYU has already made. me. So <laughs> little emotional risk. I'm going 209 cheese. It's all in. Uh, I like it. I am not that. 
I I would not wager two hundred and nine personally. Um, I would maybe wager seventy five of those Cheez Its. Um, mm. I am not very confident we'll make a bowl game. Uh, like my dream I had after the Oregon game last year, where Lavelle Edwards appeared to me and said, "You need to just cheer for BYU to make a bowl game and then to win a bowl game." That's that's where I'm at, and I think we are right on the cusp. I think this Texas Tech game is going to decide it. If we win, I think we can get one more. But if we lose, I don't think we can get two more. Um, so I, I think it all hinges on this game, and we'll get into it a little bit later. Uh, but, yeah, I think we are on the razor's edge right now uh, as a program to whether or not we're going to make a bowl game. What do you say we get into something a little bit more positive, Jared? Let's do it. I love positivity. Let's go. Happiness. Smiles. Because this week sucked for BYU. It did. But it was awesome for college football. Heck yeah, it was. Shall we review it with a nifty nine? Let's go. We start off this nifty journey on the sound where some ducking duckies got in their flying V formation to take down Washington. In this top 10 showdown, Dan Lanning was looking to dominate while Michael brought the big Phoenix energy for the Huskies. Yeah. In a game that went back and forth more times than a Draper mom between her local Swig and Stanley Cup provider, Washington and their purple and gold crew showed up to play. The ducking ducker ducks were aggressive, but they were the ones that were looking a little husky at the end of the game, unable to keep up with Washington's offensive prowess. Michael Big Phoenix Energy was throwing the ball around like wet fish at Pike Place Market and a well-timed organ miss led the Huskies to a 36-33 victory. We head to the grotto where Lincoln riled up his troops to take on the Brian Catholic of Notre Dame. The heathen gods of the Trojans proved to be just that, as touchdown Jesus south bent over the condom company and smacked them silly. Caleb Sissy Williams played himself right out of Heisman contention, farting for three picks in the first half and making the normally explosive Usk offense look more constipated than a new missionary in Peru. Marcus Freemason made sure there was no shortage of potatoes for these Irish, cooking up 48 points and a kick return totally. The Catholic Church and Trojans yeah, made a good combination this time around, giving the nation a hilarious 48 to 20 A whooping. Yeah, love to see that boom. Meanwhile, in Iowa City, two teams were playing a sport completely different from the two games we have mentioned mentioned thus far. Hey, boom! I got I got a question for you. Okay. If I told you that two teams combined for 21 points, you'd assume that they combined for three touchdowns, right? Right. 14 to 7. Well, in this case, you'd be wrong. <laughs> in this classic Big Ten West slugfest, both teams combined for one total touchdown on 21 points. What? And that was on an 82-yard run. What the frick? Wisconsin kicked two field goals. Iowa kicked another two and also scored a safety. <laughs> Wisconsin had twice as many first downs as Iowa, literally seven times as much passing yards as Iowa, 
but two turnovers led to them having not even half the points that Iowa had. Iowa somehow wins a football game with only 37 total passing yards, 15 to six. What the frick? We turn back the clocks to late Friday night where Espen was again busy bootlicking whatever's left of Dion's disgusting feet. Prime Time was about as excited to play in Prime Time as Travis Hunter was to play 160 snaps coming off of a lacerated kidney and no conditioning for three weeks. In elevation, boom. In elevation. After going up 29 points at halftime and posting on Instagram, Shadurpy Sanders played worse than Tokush in the second half. Well, the trees mounted one of the greatest comebacks in ACC history. Elec Epic Ayo no Manor entered God mode after smelling Travis Hunter's liver blood in the water, reeling in 13 balls for 294 yards and three tunnels. In the end, the Sanders family proved, proved their complete ineptitude once again as Dion stupidly elected the play offense first in overtime and Shat Durr threw an idiotic pick to seal the 46 to 43 double overtime win for the tree. We now head to Fort Collins, Colorado, where Dallin Holker and his crew were ramming into some Ford Broncos from a school notably named for a city not a state. Ooh. The Boise City Albertsons lovers had never, ever lost to the Colorado State Gordon Ramsay's. Braden Fowler Nicolosi was cooking up something different, however, sending the Broncos straight to Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> Boise used two different quarterbacks in this one, both of them throwing one pick each and combining for zero Tudleys. Nice. Somehow, Boise City was still in control of the game, with runs runnier than a marathon runner with the Hershey Squirts, Ooh, running no. for an average of 5.7 yards on 43 carries. Can you imagine that, Boom? Yikes. Just five yards on any carry? Colorado I State was down six, with mere seconds left in the game, until Fowler Nicolosi went 88 yards and 33 seconds and chucked up a Hail Mary that Dallin Holker caught in the end zone. Oh. The NCAA refs decided that they hated fun and penalized Colorado State for celebrating catching a Hail Mary. The 15 yards made no difference on the extra point, though, as the kicker still punched it through for the game-winning extra point. Colorado State defeats Boise City for the first time in program history, 31-30. to 30. Hermione's got the time turner again, so we go even further back to Thursday, oh. where the who? State oh. Ugers took on the Davy Crockett's in the Dana Holger Bowl. After a classic Big 12 barn burner, Neil browned his pants watching Hudson Clementine squirt into the end zone for a 50-yard toodly. However, as Dana, son of Holger, SMH'd harder than the Asian baby, Asian baby face palm meme, the football god smiled down upon him and ordained him to be the first and maybe only new Big 12 team to win a game versus an original Big 12 team. Donovan Joe Smith launched the pelota into the wind, down to the goal line, where Stay found Johnson, caught a tip pass and fell into the end of zones for a game-winning Alabanza Maria. Cougs win, 41 to 39. You gotta love it, Boom. We head to Boone Pickens Stadium, Boom, where the Cowpokies and the Jayhawks 
were facing off in a duel for third place in the Big 12. Once again, Daniels proves to only be healthy versus BYU for some reason. So we get to watch Jason be Sling around the rock. Sling it, he did. Bean throwing for five cuddlies. The Cowboys came riding into town looking for a clean sweep. A clean sweep of the Kansas schools as they defeated the Wildcats the week prior. Allen, take a Bowman, threw for two touchdowns while Gordon the second averaged 5.8 yards per his 29 carries. Okie dokie pokey state scored a touchdown late, but failed their two point conversion. Two field goals later, they snuck out of there with a 39 to 32 win over the Jaycocks, the Jayhawks. Oh, got him. Next up, we head to Pullman, Washington, where the other Cougars played a way too generous host to the wild kitties who licked themselves of basically Mexico, Arizona. Huh? Uh, Scored on the first drive of the game and never looked back. Literally, like they didn't even get the PAT. After that, it was all kitty cats, as Noah Fifatiti parted the crimson slash maroon sea like Korg asking Thor to kill Noob Master 69 for him. Zonamar dropping down the palouse like a moose on the loose, biting every ankle they could see and taking fiery diarrheas in the end zone time and time again like clockwork. The F word Cougars proved they were exactly that fraudulent. Oh. Dropping a 44 to 6 stinker like they were on the toilet 12 and a half minutes after getting Taco Bell. Is Arizona for real? Oh. We finish up this nifty nine in Colorado Springs, where there was a revolution occurring as the Cowboys fought against the United States Air Force and their fancy schmancy technology. A sneakily undefeated team, the Captain Falcons were looking to Falcon punch their way straight to the top of the Mountain West versus a frisky pack of pee-pee-poo-poo Cowboys. Ooh. Andrew made things look easy peasily, throwing for over 200 yards and three least versus the Air Force defense. The Falcons saw Wyoming pass and did their best Mike Tomlin impersonation. We do not care, only passing it <laughs> nine times the whole game. Once for a touchdown. 356 rushing yards later, Air Force <laughs> dropped the Cowboys like Andy did at Toy Story, saying, <laughs> I don't want to play with you anymore. The pee-pee-poo-poos get flushed down the toilet. 34 and 27. Woo! What a week. What a week. What a week. I'm, I'm feeling better now. I, I'm feeling much better. I love college football. Uh, I just have a couple of takeaways from this week. One, Iowa is basically a Snorlax. They're super fat and they just sit on you. That's it. Yeah. Uh, if you give them any sort of a lead, game over. Because they're just going to sit on you. But they do need 30-plus points the rest of the season uh, in every game if they want to keep Ferentz alive. That's There's no chance that happens, right? No chance? No, no. Yeah. Um, secondly, if you're not watching weeknight footy, you are missing out. All Thursday night, Tuesday night, Friday night, apparently not Wednesday for some reason, but all of those nights we've had absolute bangers. Uh, if you're not watching like the CUSA or the Pac-12, uh, or or the big twi- like if you're not watching these weeknight games you're missing out big time and then finally you're not uh finally for the second week in a row we have an absolute classic of a rivalry game red river last or two weeks ago we get the whatever they call it the oregon washington rivalry i don't know what it's called um 
like the other border war. Uh, college football is unrivaled. There is nothing that compares to this beautiful sport. The energy, the the play on the field, the aggressiveness, like you will never see that ever in any other sport. And I love it. It was one of the greatest games I've ever seen. It was incredible. Uh, last two weeks, we have been spoiled with classics like this. And I just love it. According to Google, Wikipedia, Jared, the Oregon-Washington football rivalry is known by fans as the Border War or the Cascade Clash. Cascade Clash. I think I've heard that one before. The Border War I've heard, but it's not the real Border War. It's kind of the other Border War. I've got good news for you as well, Jared. Oh? We do have Wednesday football this week. Yes, just the Wednesday, games, Wednesday. Haven't, the Wednesday games just haven't been that good this season. That's oh, what... no, no, no. Jared, Jared, you don't understand. You don't understand. Wednesday, we have some football. Okay. We get to see New Mexico State play UTEP. And if you don't think that at 5 p.m. on a Wednesday, I will be staring at my television, watching to see if Sam Houston can get its first FBS win versus Florida International on CBS Sports Nation, you are mistaken, Jared. I am watching every second of that game. Can Sam Houston do it? Can they get their first win, or do they go to 0-7? Oh, no, I will be watching as well. We just haven't had a single one-score game on a Wednesday yet. Well, guess what? Between FIU and Sam Houston, they might only there might only be one score the whole game. <laughs> I absolutely loved Washington, Oregon. You had big Phoenix energy chants on ESPN. On college game day, they were chanting big Phoenix energy. What the heck? You had Dan Lannon going for two on the opening score of the game. Ooh, okay. Love, love it. You had back and forth momentum and energy. Absolute classic. Um, is Arizona a sleeping giant? Uh, not like, sleeping anymore. There's Arizona's a recruiting hotbed. Uh, my summer fling with USC is over. Um, <laughs> USC freaking sucks. Um, it was fun while it lasted, but you got exposed. You just ran. You tried to run your credit card. And I saw it get declined. Um, so my summer fling with you is over. Um, Louisville, man, you had you had so much good in front of you. You can't take that loss to freaking pick. To pick. Pick. Like the, the literally the armpit of the ACC. I see what you did there. <laughs> no one's made that joke before, I bet. <laughs> Great week of college football. Great week. Absolutely amazing. Uh, let's get into this next week because we have a lot to cover. Um, I, we have to talk about the BYU game. I think this is going to be maybe our most winnable game left on the schedule. I yeah. know it doesn't feel like that. Texas Tech favored by four and a half. Um, it's a 5 p.m. kick, so like half in the day, half at night. We're wearing the classic Royals. Uh, I think it's a good look, especially if Texas Tech wears some red, uh, maybe some black. It should be should be good. But I just think this is a very winnable game. I mean, Texas Tech is kind of down this year. Everybody thought they were going to be a dark horse. They've lost a bunch of close games. Uh, I mean, they lost to Oregon in heartbreaking fashion, to Wyoming in heartbreaking fashion. They're 2-2 two two in the Big 12 now, coming off of a big loss to Kansas State, in which they were down three at halftime, led by four in the third quarter, and then got absolutely blown out. And a lot of that is because true freshman Jake Strong came in uh, for – their injured backup quarterback. So they're on a true freshman, basically like a walk-on. He is 
been labeled unplayable by multiple places. Um, he threw for three interceptions, only one touchdown, was not very good. I, I think we can win this game. I, I think this is probably the most winnable game. It's homecoming. I don't know how you feel about it, though. It's winnable. Um, I, I, I don't know. Um, one thing that worries me, right, is the game kicks at 5 p.m. Um, that is before sunset. I just looked it up. Um, on Saturday, the sun will set at 6.38 p.m. Ooh, so we're going to get a, almost a full half in. Exactly. So we're going to have a terrible first half again. The second half when it's, you know, 6.38 p.m. is when the sun sets. Then we're, you know, that's basically the end of the first half. You get all of halftime for it to get darker. We come out, the lights are on. Boom, we can play well in the second half. I have absolutely no clue what Texas Tech is. And I don't think anybody does. Like, <laughs> not a single pundit out there, not a single talking head, not a single writer knows what Texas Tech is because they've had, like, a different quarterback playing every single week. <laughs> they have been a different team since losing the Wyoming week one. Like, they were – remember, this was a playoff dark horse. Everyone's playoff dark horse darling. And now they're just not good. Um, they're not bad, though. You can never sleep on a Power 5 team especially a conference game that they are going to be gunning for. I give us, because we're at home, a 55% chance of winning this football game. Okay. I I think that's great. I would take that. Um, and it's probably that 5%, probably home field, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'd say like home field probably accounts for a 10% bump. Yeah. It gets us over the top. Yeah, I don't honestly like. I I, I feel bad. Just that's all I'm saying about Texas Tech, but we don't <laughs> know what they are. We don't. They're they have a brand new quarterback. Their offense is going to be completely different because maybe you can maybe 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 run the same offense between quarterback one and quarterback two, unless you're Aaron Roderick and have Jacob Conover as your backup, then you cannot <laughs> run the same offense. Um. But when you get to quarterback three and quarterback four, you have to run a fundamentally different scheme. Just different in every single way. Protections have to be different. Play calling has to be different. Design has to be different. Progressions have to be different. You have to simplify the offense entirely for a guy that wasn't even supposed to see the field. He was supposed to be redshirt, but he has to play. So that is because their offense on paper should be so bad this week is why I think we make their backup quarterback look like a Heisman candidate again, like we always do. And Texas tech drops like 500 yards of offense. I mean, we literally just did it last week. So yep. mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not hard to imagine we do it again. I would hope that the stadium is way fuller than it was for the Cincinnati game. I would hope there's a lot of uh, energy in the stadium. And I think if there is that might translate to our team, and hopefully we can get ahead for some turnovers. I don't know. I'm not super hopeful, but I think this is the game that if we're going to make a bowl game, we need to get this game. They like This is the moment for Texas Tech. They are as low as they've been all season. We are also as low as we've been all season, but that makes us hungry. We're at home. That kind of gives us the edge. I think, I think we can win this game. I 
I don't think Texas Tech is going to play clean enough where they don't beat themselves. I think coming into Provo is really going to be the difference. If they're playing at home, then they could probably play a little more conservatively, uh, probably play more into their uh, into their quarterback strengths. But on the road, if we can get out, start fast because of that environment, then I think we can keep pressure on them to keep performing at a high rate, not let them dictate the, the game. And I think that's how we win. Yeah, I mean, there are a couple other ways we could win this game. One, um, we're wearing a cool uniform. We are. I like it. We're wearing just a classic royal home look. No bells and whistles, just bringing back the classic. That's good. Another positive, we are an underdog. BYU always plays better as an underdog. Except 100% of the time. Yes, we were an underdog Vegas-wise, but literally every single talking head out there picked BYU the BTCU. True, very true. So statistically, we may have been an underdog, but morally, we were not. This true. time, morally, we are an underdog, and I like that for our chances. BYU plays better when his back is against the wall. Now, we are going to be out without a few players. We have been notified, you know, us specifically, we're breaking this news. You didn't see this anywhere else. Um, that Ben Bywater is out for the season. He's <laughs> getting um, surgery on his shoulder. And you also have Tanner Wall, who is out for the season as well. Who's like our fourth string safety. Yeah. I Literally, we might have to have walk-on tryouts just to bring a new safety on for next week. We're going to be like Mike Leach holding tryouts in the middle of the season. <laughs> I mean, hey, I'll play safety. I, I still have some eligibility left. Hey, you can't do worse than what we saw from on Saturday. <laughs> I mean, I, I played corner in the UTFL one game and got burnt for a touchdown in the UTFL, so I can only imagine what would happen versus a Division One athlete. Hey, as um, long as you just don't uh, – as long as there's not like a pass coming over the middle for a team's first offensive touchdown and you're the safety and you're coming over to make a tackle – and you literally just like curl up in a ball and brace for impact and then get run over on the guy's way to the end zone. As long as you don't do that. By a guy, by a guy whose freaking eyes don't even exist and are like at two different heights on their head and like so close to his nose you can't even see him in the picture. Like when that guy's picture came up, I literally screamed, you got punked by that bug-eyed fool? <laughs> sorry, that was mean. That was mean. I shouldn't have said that. That was – I repent. I'm sorry. Whatever your guy's name is on TCU, you are a handsome young son of God. I love you. I think frog-eyed would have been more appropriate there. But anyway, uh, let's let's get back to positive. Let's get back to college football. We did really well in the upset picks last week. As we look ahead to week eight, we're going to start with our upset picks. Last week, we did awesome. Bowling Green plus four and a half at Buffalo. Outright winner for you, Justin. Arizona plus boom, eight boom. at Washington State. Huge winner for me. We both get three points. Uh, it, it, I mean, it can't go better than that. Really, it can't. It really cannot. I mean, we both. I mean, Bowling Green covered the alternate spread by double. Arizona covered the alternate spread by what? That is four times. Four, five X. Incredible. We are doing great. That's about the only thing that went great for me this week, but we'll get next. We'll get to that next. 
Um, this week, Jared, who do you got for your upset pick? I got Wisconsin at Illinois. Illinois is a two and a half point home dog. Illinois has been torched by teams that can throw the ball really well. Um, but other than that, they're kind of a pretty mid team. Wisconsin just had Tanner Mordecai go down. They looked pathetic against and like a very good Iowa defense, but not an Iowa defense like years past. Uh, I think without Tanner Mordecai, they have nothing. I mean, they have Braylon Allen, but Illinois just can pack the box now and be like, all right, we dare you to throw over us. Like who else does Wisconsin have in the quarterback room? No one, not even Graham Mertz anymore. So I'm going with Illinois. I think they're pretty good. I think they're finding themselves at home against Wisconsin, uh, a division or a, yeah, divisional like game. Um, I, I, I like Illinois a lot in this one. I think they're going to get the outright dub. That's a good pick. And I could honestly see that happening. Uh, my pick also has to do with the two and a half point dog. That is Georgia State, who is a two and a half point road dog at Louisiana Lafayette. I think Georgia State is a very good team. I don't think Louisiana Lafayette is very good. I think they've kind of lucked into being where they are. I think Georgia State is a fundamentally better team than ULL in every way, shape, and form. I think Georgia State covers this easily, wins outright. I am pumped for this one. Uh, Louisiana, notably 15th out of 15 in the 4-2 and two power rankings. That's true. Uh, this is one where I saw the spread and I was like, wait, 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 wait. Georgia State is an underdog? Like – that that one is a is a weird spread i think georgia state is way better than ull so i think we got another six points in the bag this week dude i agree i think it's going to be another six pointer at this point like we have to start putting cheeses on this man we do we really do um something that maybe we shouldn't be putting uh cheeses on uh, oh gosh is, is the tipsy 10 um i'm so ashamed last week was an interesting week. Um, I guess I went six and four, pretty decent. Uh, I'm back to 500 exactly on the season. So n- not good, not bad, just absolutely mid. I told everyone that this was going to be the first 10 and 0 week on the podcast. Um, I went three and seven. No. <laughs> not good. I uh, dude, I I st- I tried to make picks based on analytics, based on sound thinking. That is not how you win. What was I? Th- what was I thinking? Stilly boy, using logic. What? What was I thinking? Um, I'm so disappointed in myself. <laughs> the fans didn't do much better. They went four and six, which is great for us. We need them to keep having these kinds of weeks if we want to catch up. Great to for them. you. Great <laughs> for you. You you gained two week you gained two games on them. I lost a game to them. <laughs> uh, so as it stands right now, fans hitting at fifty five point seven percent, me at exactly fifty percent, and Justin at forty eight point six percent. You're only one game back from me, and I'm four games back from the fans. So it's going to take another couple of weeks um, for us to catch them, unless they have an absolutely terrible week. But we we need to start picking it up, Justin. Like it's week eight. We we need to we need to start going if we want to catch these fans. Well, don't worry because this will be the first ever ten in a week. <laughs> and for all strong against your podcast history, baby. Let's go. And it all 
starts on Thursday night at 5 p.m. on ESPN, where the JMU Dukes will be traveling to take on Marshall. JMU is a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this game on the road. Jared, do you agree with Vegas, or are you going a different direction? I am laying all 209 Cheez-Its on the Dukies. They are a very good football team. They absolutely trounce Georgia Southern. Um, I No one can beat this team. I know Marshall's frisky. I know they're kind of decent, uh, but JMU's a wagon. I'm going with the Dukies. The JMU's a wagon, but I feel like they have to lose at some point. They do. I do. I like. I don't think that they go twelve and zero. Is it but, this week though? I don't know. What's the remaining schedule? Um, they play. Uh, sorry, I I probably should have looked at this beforehand, but uh, they play Marshall, Old Dominion, Georgia State, still UConn, App State, and Coastal Carolina. I don't um, really so I don't see think another loss on there. I mean, I I don't think it's this game. So I'm going with Jamie. Okay. Maybe that Georgia State game on the road. Georgia State on the road, or I can see um, Coastal kind of getting frisky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, we're both in agreement. Not this week. Dukey's winning. Uh, the fan vote, uh, today was crazy, so I wasn't able to get the uh, tipsy 10 up. But it will be up tomorrow. We'll put the fans in. So you mm-hmm. just don't get to hear uh, what they are today. Um, and also that keeps us from just uh, picking against them all the time to try and make up games. Uh, anyway, <laughs> next up, we have 10 a.m. on CBS. A nice uh, two-hour and 15-minute game for you. Number 22 Air Force at Navy, part of the Commander-in-Chief Trophy Series. Um, Air Force is playing really good football right now. Justin is already typing his answer in. Who you got? You got the Air Force or the Navy? Air Force by literally a million. This will not even be close. Air Force is going to cover this spread fivefold. Like, it's disgusting. Yeah, I am also going with the Air Force. Um, Top Gun is a great movie, but the football in it was absolutely atrocious. A Mm -hmm. disgrace on the sport. Uh, Air Force would never do that. So, Air Force definitely win in this game. Take the under. Saturday at 1.30 p.m. on CBS, number 17, huh? Tennessee will be huh? taking on number 11, huh? Huh? Alabama at Bama. Bama is a nine-point home favorite. Jared, who do you got in this one? This one's pretty easy for me. Principal pick, fade what you want to happen. I would mm. love Tennessee to walk into Brian Denny and win. Um, so I'm absolutely going to fade that. Plus, Bama playing at home. They've kind of sneakily started to figure things out a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Tennessee, I like, why are they ranked? I don't know. Um, no. They beat Virginia. Whoop-de-doo. Um, yeah, so I'm going Bama, principal pick. Plus, it kind of makes a little bit of sense. Uh, but, yeah, mainly just fading what I want to happen. Fair enough, man. Honestly, I think Tennessee is not nearly as good as they were last year. Like I honestly don't think Tennessee is half the team they were last year. I think yeah. Alabama wins this game pretty easily. In accordance there, uh, in that one thirty CBS game, over on ESPN in the same time window, we have Oklahoma State playing West Virginia. Um, it, like, what a game between these two teams. We never would have looked at this game any other way, uh, like, to start the season. But West Virginia playing very, very well. Very surprising. Oklahoma State has been surprising in the other way, but now they're starting to figure it out. 
It's at West Virginia. West Virginia is favored by three and a half. You generally give three to three and a half points for home field. Uh, if it's a decent home field. So uh, maybe you'd say on a neutral site, these, this would be a pick em. I think this is going to be an awesome game. Justin, who are you going with the pokes or the Davy Crockett's? I think I'm going to go with the pokes in this one. I think Oklahoma state is playing really good football lately. I think West Virginia is kind of a paper tiger at this point. Um, I'm going with Oklahoma state in this one. I'm kind of leaning towards Oklahoma state as well. However, I'm going to pick against it because oh. I, I know, I know. Um, I, I don't know what it is. I think West Virginia is scrappy. I think coming off of that loss, things could get out of hand. Um, but this West Virginia team hasn't done anything that I've expected them to. And so if I expect them to kind of, you know, oh, there's the loss. We weren't destined to win, blah, 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 kind of fall back into their old ruts. This team has surprised me. I think they surprised me again. I think they come out and get a very, very good victory and kind of cement themselves in that top third of the conference. Dude, honestly, I would be a happy man if that happened. That would be awesome. 1.30 p.m. as well on NBC, you have the game of the year. Woo! The most exciting game where points will not be spared. Points will be flying left and right. They will have to add extra digits to the scoreboard for the amount of timeouts taken in this game. Minnesota will be traveling to Iowa City to take on the number 24 Hawkeyes. Iowa is a three-and-a-half-point home favorite. Jared, will you be waving to the children, or will you be rowing the boat? I'm definitely waving to the children. Iowa, like I said, is a Snorlax. They are just fat, and they sit on you. They have not as good of a defense as they have had in the past, but Minnesota's quarterback cannot be trusted. The Greek rifle, I'm sorry. I thought I was kind of high on Minnesota. I thought he was going to be good. They've looked abysmal so far this season. I have zero hope that Minnesota can score more points for themselves than they score for Iowa. And Iowa, you know, is going to get like one or two field goals. Give me Iowa and slam the under. This is like a nine to three game or, or like a seven to three game with two field goals and a safety or something. Yeah, no, Iowa's going to win this football game five to three. And the safety is going to be because the Greek rifle committed an intentional grounding penalty <laughs> within his own end zone. Um, yeah, give me Iowa in this one. It's going to be ugly, but the Hawkeyes are going to win. It's going to be very ugly. Uh, I love this one because it's the they play for Floyd of Rosedale, which is an 88-pound pig trophy. Um, used to be a real pig. It was a mayor's bet. Uh, awesome. I mean, we gotta love you. Gotta love the Big Ten for all the trophies that they have with their random rivalries. Um, we need more mayor bets. Why? Why aren't more mayors betting anymore? We do. We do. Who's the mayor of Provo right now? I I don't know. But uh, I don't know. Let's see. Mayor of Provo is Michelle Kafusi. Still? Wow. Um, I guess that, so. That that shows how much uh, I follow sports. Um. We should do this. If Michelle Obama, or not Michelle Obama, if Michelle Kafusi wins the mayor bet with the Texas Tech mayor, then Texas Tech's has, mayor has to get uh, baptized. And then if Texas Tech wins, 
then Michelle Kafusi has to take out all the stupid dividers on Cougar Boulevard. <laughs> I would love that. Dude, I would, yeah, that, that's a fair bet. That's a fair bet. Fair bet. All right, it's on. Win-win. Either way, doesn't matter. Win-win. Equally um, contributes to salvation. <laughs> Saturday, 2 p.m., we got our next game, ESPNU. We got a Mac showdown between two powerhouses. We have Toledo and the real Miami. Um, yes, Miami of Florida beat the crap out of Miami of Ohio, but Miami of Ohio did not run the ball and fumble when they could have needed it. So they are back to being the real Miami. Uh, Toledo's a two-point favorite on the road in this one. Justin, who are you going with here? You going with the Red Hawks or the Rockets? Well, Jared, let me tell you this. Miami, Ohio is six and one. True. Toledo also six and one. Oh, baby. Both of these teams lost their first game and are on six game win streaks. Oh, baby. Miami of Ohio is the better team. Let me tell you why. Of those six wins that these teams have, Toledo, four of them are at home. Miami of Ohio, four of them are on the road. Whoa. It does not matter where Miami, Ohio plays. They win. Undefeated at home, four wins away. They are at home versus Toledo. Toledo has not performed as well on the road as Miami of Ohio has. Give me Miami of Ohio in this one. I am also going with Miami of Ohio. In these kind of games, in these kinds of games, I generally just pick the home team. It's the Mac. Everything just wild happens. Like, you can't trust anything, really. And so I'm going with the home team. Miami of Ohio has looked good, like you said. So is Toledo, but I think I just trust Miami of Ohio more at this point. Um, so, yeah, give me the Red Hawks as well. Next up, at 6 p.m. on Fox, we have a disgusting matchup. Absolutely ab- abysmal. Makes me want to poke my eyes out with a rusty spork um we get to watch two teams with red in their color palette that are absolute frauds one an ex summer fling one somebody i've hated forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever will hate forever and ever and ever number 14 utah takes on number 18 usc in sunny los angeles california usc is a six and a half point home favorite jared who do you got I, I mean, you guys already know, I'm a man of principle. And one of those principles is that I will never under pick the Utah Utes. It just sounded like you were underwater. Your mic didn't pick up the scream, but it was, it, was, it sounded awesome. I think I blew out the speakers. Uh, Yeah, I, I have zero faith in both of these teams. I just hate Utah so much more which is saying a lot because I hate USC, but I hate Utah with a fiery passion. Give me the Trojans. I hate to do this, but I actually know I was going to pick Utah, but frick Utah. Give me USC just because frick Utah. Heck yeah, baby. Frick Utah. Frick Uh, Utah. Frick those frickers. Next up, we have what people in the preseason were thinking was going to be a top five matchup. 6 p.m. ACC Network has Clemson at Miami. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah, 
Um, wow. It, it, so it's incredible. hilarious that this game is on the ACC network. You would have thought this is going to be the ABC. Hard Rock Stadium game might be a game. Um, but yeah, Clemson is three and a half point dog or three and a half point road favorite. Um, that's probably because Miami has negative home field advantage. So who are you going with this one, Clemson or Miami? Um, I'm going to go with Clemson in this one, I think. I don't know. Tyler Van Dyke's playing kind of well, so maybe I should go with them. But, like, I don't know. Like you said, Hard Rock Cafe might be at 2% capacity. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Give me Clemson in this one. Yeah, and those 2% are probably going to be Clemson fans. Um, This is a principal pick for me. I hate Clemson. I absolutely hate Clemson. I, there is no bone in my body that has any sort of remorse or positive feelings towards that pitiful excuse of a football program. I'm rolling with Miami and it's probably the least comfortable and the least liked pick of mine uh, this whole week, but I'm going with Miami because I hate Clemson. I I'm a man of principle and I will stick to my guns. It, honestly, I mean, you could kind of do the, fade what you want to happen principle as well if you really want it but um some there's got to be a priority level in your principles and i see that clemson sucking is number one in your priority list and i can respect that i can respect that there is a hierarchy that you you picking against teams you don't like is a, a little bit higher than fading what you want to happen it's close but yes hating teams is is very very high Fair enough, man. Saturday at 10 freaking a.m. 10 a.m. on Fox so they can make it their big noon Saturday, big snooze Saturday game. Number seven, Penn State travels to Columbus to take on the number three Buckeyes who are a four-point home favorite. Jared, who do you got in this game? Obviously, I'm going to Ohio State. Now, do I think Ohio State will win the game? I don't know. Um, we played like one of our best games of the season last week, even though we had like literally everyone except Marvin Harrison Jr. injured. So I have no idea what our team is. I mean, it's we're not BYU bad, but this is for Ohio State. This is just a crapshoot. Like, I have no idea what we're going to see. Penn State, we don't really know what we're going to see either. They, you know, haven't played anybody. So I think it's going to be awesome. But the, the main thing about this game is stop. Fox, stop, please. I can't take it anymore with the 10 a.m. kickoffs. Penn State, Michigan is also going to be a 10 a.m. kickoff. This is ridiculous. I mean, you can't expect the atmosphere to be even similar, even remotely close to what it would be in a night game. This game should never, ever be played before 7 o'clock Eastern time. There is no reason You should have Penn State and Ohio State, a top seven matchup going on at 10 a.m. I am sorry. That is disgusting, and I hate Fox for it. I hate them. This is – it's a a disgrace to college football on the sport. What was the sport built on? It was built on regionality. It was built on rivalries, and it was built on the fans in the stadium. Do you think anybody Mm -hmm. that goes to Ohio State or Penn State – wants to get up at 4 a.m. so they can be as drunk at kickoff as they would be if it was a 7.30 kick. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. It's disgusting. It's a shame. 
and it needs to stop. All right. Preach, Jared. Just preach, you go ahead and pick now. preach, 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 and Fox, go to hell. Anyway, um, I'm, I'm sorry, Jared. I have to go against you. I'm taking Penn State in this one. I just – I don't trust Ohio State. I don't trust their offense. I don't trust their defense. I don't trust anything about this team. Penn State, I do trust at least that they know their identity. Ohio State, I can't even say that for them. So give me the whatever the frick they are lines. Hey, you're not wrong, and I don't blame you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, finally, we have the game of the weekend. Everybody's eyes in the entire country will be on this matchup. It is the Texas Tech Red Raiders taking on the BYU Cougars in a battle of the Titans, 5 p.m., FS1. The nation is tuning in to a channel that some bars don't even have. Texas Tech favored by four and a half on the road with a backup quarterback. What does that tell you about BYU this year? Justin, how much is BYU going to win by? So first of all, my BYU winning is BYU? BYU question mark. <laughs> um, I'm actually going to throw a second question mark in there. <laughs> I, I don't feel great. Um, how much are they going to win this game by? Not a lot. I'm going to go with a final score of... Twenty to seventeen. Oh, okay. That that's my final score. Actually, sorry, no, we're not going to do that. It's okay. going to be because um, we're only going to make one field goal at the most. Um, let's go with twenty-three to twenty. And we only scored one field goal, and we missed an extra point. Nice. I could actually definitely see that happening. Um, my my prediction is actually pretty close to what yours was. I'm going 24-17. I think it's kind of a defensive battle. I mean, I think it has the potential to be a shootout. With the how bad BYU's defense has been, like, I wouldn't be surprised if Texas Tech scores a lot of points. Um, all they have to do is cook up a bunch of slants and they can throw for 500 yards and score 45. Right. Um, yeah. As, as we've seen. Um, but I think BYU is going to establish some sort of identity in this game. I think there will be one thing that we can hang our hat on during this game, whether that's defense with forcing turnovers, whether that's defense with just forcing a quarterback to look human at least uh or it's us establishing some sort of offensive identity i think there's going to be one thing in this game that we're going to come out on the other side and we're going to be like hey we figured something out i hope i hope that it's the pass game but i'm kind of thinking that it's going to be the run game i think we're going to figure out some way to establish at least a positive rush yards uh, on first and second down so that we're not in third and nine every single time. And I think that's going to be our improvement of the game. I think it's going to lead to more first downs, less three and outs. And we just get down the field one more time than Texas Tech does. Te Texas Tech does in kind of a slower slugfesty kind of ugly football game. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to win by seven. 
lower scoring, take the under. Uh, but but I think BYU will figure out at least in part some sort of identity. Dude, if that happens, I will be very pleased. Um, because I don't feel like this team has an identity thus far. It, besides, um, our identity is getting hurt and making backup quarterbacks look good. Yes, exactly, and not running the football. Mm-hmm. Trying to, but not being able to. Yes. I I think we figure out some sort of positive identity. Not like a complete identity, but I think there's going to be one thing that we'll figure out and we'll be like, hey, this this is what we're going to build on from here on out. It might not be something to hang our hat on, but at least we will have a hat in our possession <laughs> exactly. to possibly hang. <laughs> yes. Oh, sounds good. <laughs> Fingers crossed, man. I, I really, I, I really need it. I really need it. We, we really do. Um, especially if the morning doesn't go well. I, uh, yeah. If the 10 a.m. game doesn't uh, happen or doesn't go as, as, as expected or as hoped, that five be a long game, day for Jared. It, it might just be a, a comical uh, laugh fest. It may just result in me mocking myself and my team uh, for four quarters. Um, we'll have to see how it goes. Any last thoughts before we call this quits, Jared? I don't know, man. I We've had three or we've had two straight rivalry games that have absolutely delivered. I think we get a third this week. I think Ohio State, Penn State, like you said, we don't really know what Penn State is, but they seem to know who they are. But no one knows what Ohio State is. We know we have a good defense, but other than that, like the offense is a complete crapshoot. I think this is going to be a wild game. I think there's going to be like defensive scores, special team scores. I think it's going to be super exciting. I think it's going to be another instant classic, uh, which is unfortunate because I don't want anybody to watch this game because it's on Fox, but you know, we're all going to, um, but yeah, <laughs> I am very, very excited for that game. Unfortunately, it will determine my emotional uh, state for the rest of the football games. So let's just hope and pray that it goes well. I'm praying for you. This has a potential to be a very great Saturday for you or a very terrible Saturday for you. I wish you nothing but the best, Jared. If it goes, if I go 0-3, right, if Penn State, Texas Tech, and and Utah win, sad boy. Sad boy, Jared. Sad boy, Jared, indeed. We will be (laughs) posting many, many sad memes all over Instagram. Make sure that you are looking for those as well. Absolutely. Uh, look out for the Tipsy 10. They'll be coming out probably by the time you're listening to this. Uh, and the also the Weekend Watch Guide. I'm getting them done early because we have all these weeknight games. Uh, so be checking RollerStrongAndTrue.com. Make sure you're getting those, printing them out, put them on the, on, the, on the fridge so all of your loved ones know why you're not available all week. Laminate that bad boy. Make sure you have it ready and make sure you send it to your friends as well. Make sure your friends and family are following us on Instagram and Twitter at Loyal to Royal Pod, where you'll find all that content that Jared was talking about. Our community is growing exponentially in the past little bit, um, and we're actually super happy about that. We want to keep it growing. Please help by sharing the episodes and sharing the memes that we are posting daily. Uh, We love you guys. Um, I just want to say this. If I could reach out and hug each and every one of you, I would. 
because I love you. I'm I'm with you. I love you. Goodbye now. Bye.